You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Hello and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. We are at Grand Park in Westfield, Indiana. With me is Mike Chappell. If you couldn't tell by now, I am not Dave Griffiths. Dave is at home with his newborn child. Uh, Lame excuse, don't (laughs) you think? That's right. Lame excuse. Uh, Congratulations to him and his wife. Um, So don't get too used to me. I'll only be here a couple weeks hosting the show until Dave gets back. But, Mike, it's a a somewhat hot day out training camp, but a lot of people excited the Browns are here for the first of two joint practices. Um, So we'll get into that in a little bit, but we have a lot to get to today. And as we have many episodes on the Colts Blue Zone, Andrew Luck, once again, um, more injury updates. Chris Ballard held a conference with local media last night kind of explaining Jim Ursay's previous comments about a little bone being the issue in his foot. And it's a bit of a complicated situation, so I'm just going to read off uh, what Ballard said. He's been dealing with a calf injury, said Ballard. All in March, through camp, he was dealing with the calf. Then the little area below his calf, which Andrew kind of referred to as a lower leg when he was feeling some pain, kind of almost in the ankle area. The injury wasn't getting better, and he hadn't been practicing. So in the course of dealing with the calf injury, it appears that now we've got an ankle issue. Because the injury wasn't getting better, we wanted to explore the area around the leg that Mr. Ursay was referring to, the bone. That's called the ostrogonum. We thought that Very might, well. Good job. You, you like that pronunciation? Yep. I've been practicing all night. Uh, the ostrogonum. We thought that might have something to do with it. But as of last night, after Mr. Ursay spoke, that doesn't appear to be the issue. We shifted our focus to another area. We tested the ankle yesterday with a specific scan. He went and saw a specialist, and that led us to the area of the front of the ankle that needs to be addressed. It's kind of high ankle-ish. That's potentially referred to the posterior pain he's getting in his posterior ankle. It's kind of up by the calf and why it's happening. Mike, w- w- what was your first reaction when um, Ballard you know, gave us that news last night that now they think it's an ankle uh, instead of the calf after you know, months of calf rehab? You kind of wish they would been, had been more forthcoming about the, the situation in the first place. Then we wouldn't have the furor over what it is. What, what they've done is they've, they've eliminated what it's not. And we can talk later on, and we looked at the quotes. They think they know what it is now, but they're not 100% sure. Uh, they're treating it as, I guess, a high ankle sprain, you know, ankle-ish, a new medical term, I guess. So we'll see. The, the problem is, they, so they've been treating the calf over the last several months. They probably haven't been treating this. Uh, this, this latest thing. So now are you starting from, from day one on rehabbing this part of the injury? And how does that impact how long he's going to be out? Yeah, it's a bit concerning. I Ballard mentioned that they're going to adjust his rehab a little bit, which kind of makes you think that, you know, some of the rehab that they were doing hopefully wasn't hurting, but wasn't what Andrew wasn't Luck needed. Yeah, Correct. exactly. So three weeks out from the regular season and they f- still aren't 100% sure that they've diagnosed this injury correctly. What is your what is your panic meter? What is your concern for Luck's availability week one? I was at DEFCON 3 last week on our podcast. I'm at 2 now. I, I see the planes in the air. Yeah. So, so I we go back, and, and he was asked last night, Chris Ballard was, about 
uh, is the opener in jeopardy. He said, we're three and a half weeks away from the regular season, so I'm not ready to say that yet. No. If, if you force me to take $100 out of the bank account and say you're going to pay on who's going to be your starting quarterback in, in week one, my money's on Brissett. Uh, as would I. I just I think to, to anticipate that all of a sudden luck's going to be that much better to where he, he can get enough pra- he's got pr- he's got to practice you know we, we need to kind of queue up the Allen Iverson tape about practice but at some point you need X number of days to practice and in, in their I'm convinced in their mind in their quarterbacks room that they've got a calendar that says by this date luck needs to be practicing I'm not talking seven I'm seven I'm talking practicing to where you're with the team you're throwing and and not only that, you're putting in a strong day, and then the next day you can practice again. Uh, and until they know that the, the calf and the the front the bone issue can endure practicing day after day after day, you don't know. So again, until, until you know, until you see him out there, how, how do you not anticipate Jacoby Brissett being the opening day starter? Yeah, and that'd be quite the tough ask for him to go on the road in uh, Los Angeles against a contender at very least a highly regarded playoff team but three weeks out we still have no kind of timetable now Ballard did say he would be all right with luck playing at like 85 percent as long as luck was functional and the pain was manageable but all along they've been saying that luck has been driving his own rehab do you think this is a situation where luck's gonna push himself to get out there or do you has he learned his lesson from the shoulder? Well, probably a little bit of both. I, he, he, the, the lesson from the shoulder is don't. I don't think he skipped steps with the shoulder, but maybe he hurried through some of the steps, and, and it ended up being it, it, it stalled the uh, the rehab. Now he's really, really being careful. He doesn't want, ideally, and we talked to him. What's it's been like ten days ago, and he doesn't want this thing to linger into the regular season to where you play against the Chargers and and in your. You're, you're maybe missing a practice and, and you're trying to rehab again. And then you play, and it's, it's just week after week of play, rehab. But it looks to me like that's where they're headed. So uh, at some point, he's going to have to decide that I can play, I can play with this. I'm not, gonna, you know, I'm not risking more serious injury or aggravating something even more. At what point that is, I don't know. And again, I think that's where he is, as Reich said, driving the truck because – only luck knows how the calf and the and the bone, whatever it is, feels, and how it, how it feels when when he tries to play the position. But again, Ballard told us that he can he can do the front and back stuff, and he can throw fine, and the motions is fine. It's when he has to go side to side, when he has to make quick moves. Well, that's playing quarterback. Yeah, that's playing quarterback in regular season games where. It's not scripted. I mean, you know what you want to do, but you know you've got to make quick moves. You got to go left, right. You got to drop back and go forward. So that's they've got again. That's what they had to get to do in practice to where you've you've gotten to where he's comfortable making the moves you have to make. But now make those moves under pressure and you know the the sudden movements, and they have to get to that before he can actually get there in practice before he can actually get there and play. So. Three and a half weeks. That's why I say three and a half weeks is it's it's coming up quickly, uh, and, and that's why. And again, one thing to keep in mind, and I, I wonder if this will play into their into their 
thinking is if if Luck's healthy, let's take the injury out of it. If Luck's healthy and you go to L.A. to play the Chargers, you're going to have to play pretty well to win the game. So and, and then you may play well and still lose because the Chargers are a pretty good team. Do you take the approach that let's give him another week and sort of see what you can do with Jacoby Brissett and then really get Andrew back? You hope better for Tennessee. So I I don't know. It's Lux driving the truck again, but at some point he's got to be at a point to where he can really test everything to see if he can practice because at some point you have to say, and we talked to Ballard last night about that, he said at some point we will have to shift, which means to Ballard, to Brissett. When that is, I thought maybe he had to practice the Bears week next week, but maybe they think the week after that would be enough. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point you bring up. At what point do you start sacrificing regular season games so that you hope the ankle isn't an issue throughout the season? Um, of course, they start in Los Angeles against the Chargers, week two at Tennessee against the Titans. The Titans might be a more winnable game without luck. And then after that, two home games against the Falcons and Raiders. Let's just pretend for a little bit that luck, you know, worst case scenario, hopefully this is the worst case scenario, that he misses the first four games. What would the Colts' goal be? to get through that I, I would think maybe two and two the Colts would be happy going two and two without luck and that's when you would think maybe winning down in Tennessee because you 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 sort of own them although Brissett didn't win there when, when he was there in 17 so sure uh, and, and again if you can but then then when Andrew comes back he's not going to be a hundred he's not going to be in mid-season form when we have to miss in the first month of the season and not having any off season. we saw last year that it was a different situation, different injury, but he wasn't himself until October. You know, September was sort of a, a a very moderate efficiency for him. He threw a lot of balls, but, you know, there wasn't a lot of downfield. He was still getting his arm strength back, so it, it's totally not ideal. Uh, it, it certainly beats the alternative of Chris Ballard getting us last night and saying, oh, by the way, we have to get surgery on Andrew Luck and he's going to miss X number of weeks. So, and, and again, it's 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 funny how and and Chris Ballard referred to this last night. One of the first things he said when he came here in 2017 is that it's never going to be about one guy, and that's what he, he even said. He said, "Look, he said this is not 2017 when 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 the shoulder kept Luck from playing." He said, "I thought about this a lot because when I first came in the door, one of the things we talked about was building a team, and it wasn't going to be about one guy." He said, look, I understand the importance of Andrew Luck. He said, you kidding me? This guy's one of the top five quarterbacks in the league, but we've also got another quarterback we like in Jacoby Brissett. Well, the problem is Brissett's not having a very good camp. He, he's been up and down, uh, inaccurate, a few good stretches, did, didn't play well at, at, at Buffalo. Uh, he'd like to play more and play better against Cleveland, but right now I don't know how other than saying he's our guy, how you get a lot of comfort from the way that Jacoby Brissett's playing quarterback because it's it's not been at a high level. And speaking at a high level, you were right. That Bills game offensively was not very pretty um, in Buffalo last week. The, Brissett, uh, Brissett had three three series, 20, 11 plays, 22 yards. Yeah, I think he was two for five. Yep. Uh, it was it was not what the Colts were looking for. Now, granted, most of their starters were not on the field, so Brissett did not have a lot of help in that. But 
the most impressive quarterback was Chad Swag Kelly coming in late in the game. Uh, really, really sparked an offense that hadn't shown a whole lot. Phillip Walker was 8 of 18 in an interception up at that point. And then Kelly in front of, you know, his hometown fans um, goes 13 for 19 for 121. And then uh, he has another four runs for 53 yards and then a 33-yard score. So it, it begs the question, if Luck is going to be injured going into the season, which it looks like he probably will be, and the Colts have to carry thir- three quarterbacks, is there a competition for that third guy there between Walker and Kelly? No, there, there's not because Chad Kelly is suspended for the first two games. Remember the, the personal conduct issue, so – he could be the best quarterback in camp, including Andrew Luck, and he's not going to be active for the Chargers game. So best-case scenario is when they cut the roster to 53, Chad Kelly goes on the reserve, whatever it's called, suspended list for two games, can't be around the team, can't be in the building. And then after two weeks, he comes back and he's, your, I don't know, backup, third, whatever. Third stringer. But, but the one thing that this team did not want to do and maybe they still won't, but they probably will, is keep three quarterbacks because every roster spot is so valuable. And But how you not how do you not carry three quarterbacks when you don't know, sitting here today, what Luck's situation is going to be? You know, even, let's say he's at the level he can play. But, but then how, how does it respond the next day? Will it keep him out of practice? You know, ideally you have Luck. Yeah, Brissett and Phillip Walker's your practice squad quarterback, and if you need him on Friday, you bring him out to the active roster. And, you know, practice squad players, people need to remember, are, are basically free agents. Somebody can sign your guy, you know, on, on Thursday if they wanted. But as far people need to remember about Chad Kelly, he is not a factor for the first two games. I don't care if he throws 20 touchdowns the next three games. He can't do it. So uh, so we'll see how that goes. Ideally, what they need to have is for the light to go on with Brissett, him to play better, and you're going to get the offensive line is starting to get back together with Ryan Kelly's been out there, and, and Costanzo didn't play the first game, might play this week. Marlon Mack, maybe he plays. We'll see. But they need to get this offense to where it's looking decent. So far, we've seen flashes, decent plays from a player or two. No continuity at all, and that, to me, that's a concern. Um, speaking of, you know, the concerning offense with the Buffalo, what did you see out there that kind of caught your eye between the offense or the defense, really? Offensively, I, I, I liked the fact that Deion Kane got back out there. Remember, it was about a year ago to the day that he tore up his ACL, misses his whole rookie season, had a couple of catches, and it's just getting back out there and getting over the hump of playing. Uh, Reese Fountain had some good catches, uh, mm-hmm. played well. Uh, Marcus Johnson played well. T.Y. didn't play. We didn't think he would. Does he play this week? We'll see. But you want it, that's such a deep area of competition. So you, you're seeing Fountain come back. You're, and he had a nondescript rookie season where he's practice squad most of the time. But but Deion Kane, he will be one of the receivers. He just will be. Uh, you need to see something more from Devin Funches if, if he plays more. Uh, and Zach Pascal and uh, – uh, Chester Rogers, it, it's a great competition. The guy we never really talked much about is Creshawn Hogan, the kid from Warren Central Marion, having a really, really strong camp, and there's no spot for him. They're, they're just barring injury. There's no spot for him. So those are the guys that stuck out. The running game was awful. It, it, it's clear to me that 
if if Marlon Mack doesn't play, I'm not sure how these guys run the ball effectively. I just I, I hate to put it all on one guy, but I just don't see that guy being here. Maybe we'll see some more of uh, Donta Foreman this week. Didn't play last week. He just had just signed. Jonathan Williams showed some showed some positives, but this they, they want just to be a top five running game. That puts an awful lot of pressure on Marlon Mack because what we've seen, there's not much, and I'm not discounting Naheem Hines because I just don't count him as a, a pure running back. He's more of that Swiss Army knife. So they've got to find something behind Marlon Mack, and right now we haven't seen it. Yeah, to your point, the Colts uh, averaged 2.27 yards per carry. Their running back set is in that game against Buffalo. Uh, they were without Mack, Foreman, and Wilkins didn't play as well. Wilkins hasn't practiced for two weeks, three weeks with a foot or an ankle, and he's missing invaluable time to earn another roster spot. Absolutely. How has a uh, how has Jonathan Williams looked in it? We know Ballard favors him. Do you think he might beat out Wilkins for that spot? As of right now, probably, because you, you just can't make the team when you're not out there. And as, and as, as solid of a season as Wilkins had as a rookie, he was it was it was not in a, in a feature role. It was sort of as that change up third third guy behind uh, Mac in, in, in Hines. So he needs to get out there. He seriously needs to get out there. Uh, and again, these next two preseason games, Mac maybe plays a little, but his value to the team is so strong that I just wouldn't expose Marlon Mack to much because, like I said, I hate to keep harping on it, but I don't like the looks of his running game without him. Yeah, you definitely don't want him to that hamstring acting up again like it did last year in the preseason. Um, shifting gears to the defense now, EJ Speed made some plays. He had five tackles out there. Al Quadin Muhammad had one sack. Do you think Muhammad is the leader to start in place of Sheard if Sheard can't get back on the field? Well, you want to, right now it would probably be either him or Ben Banigou. He's finally getting back to practice. Missed, I don't know what it was, a week or 10 days with a hamstring. Whether he's more of a pass rush option. Uh, it, it might be Muhammad, but that's why, again, we talked a lot so much about luck. There's no really timetable on, on Jabal Sherrod, and he's so easy to overlook through the years. But I tell you, he's he's one of those guys at the end of the game, you say, what did he do? Well, he's got seven or eight tackles. He's got a sack. He's got some pressure. Uh, he, he's really invaluable to, the, to this team. And, again, the fact that he, he had a knee procedure, we don't know the extent of it. But if he would miss the first couple of games, which there's a very good chance he will, it's going to be tough to kind of fill in his spot. They're deep along the defensive line. Maybe Marcus Hunt goes back out there, which they like him inside, but maybe he works back outside instead of being inside. So it's interesting how they're going to do. These next couple of preseason games, we should get a better idea because, again, so many guys, not only offense but on defense, didn't play at Buffalo. I mean, Justin Houston. And on and on, uh, didn't play. Clayton Gathers, I'm not. I don't believe he played. So, we're going to see the next couple of weeks a better idea of what this defense looks like. The defense has dominated. It's simply dominated training camp so far. I'm interested to see how they play against Cleveland today because Cleveland's got some pretty good juice on offense. Oh yeah. Let's see how these guys, the DBs, have been playing really well. Let's see how they do against the really some top-notch competition. Speaking of dominating, one guy who has looked really good in training camp so far has been Rock Yassin. Um, he kind of had that viral play where he stole the interception from Funchess, and that picked up a lot of attention online. 
Um, other than Yasin, who else in the last week or so has really stood out to you in practice? Well, we've seen Kenny Moore. He's played well, but it's guys that you expect to play well. And if Rock Yasin's not been the best player on defense, it's been Danico Autry. Uh, he's, he's playing inside. He's kind of settled at that tackle spot, and he's just disrupting the offense. Now, whether that's a case of the offensive line not playing well or him playing that, him playing at that high of a level, he's really, really played well. Justin Houston, the, the, he's been sort of in and out of the, of the lineup. Just they give him a day off every, every now and then, but he, he's been a presence. Tyquan Lewis has played well. You know, and we we never mention enough. Maybe uh, Darius Leonard. It's amazing how fast he looks. He's side to side, and people sort of think Bobby Okereke is going to come in and take Anthony Walker's job at inside linebacker. Walker's playing really, really well, which bodes well for the linebacker group. Again, the defense have played very well. Part of that, in my mind, is the offense isn't playing well behind Mazette, but the defense is really winning the day, day after day here. Well, let's hope the Colts can lean on that defense if they have to play a couple games without luck. Just kind of lean on the defense and Marlon Mack in the running game. Um, speaking of uh, the joint practice with the Browns, today is the first of two joint practices uh, ahead of the team's exhibition in the preseason on Saturday on Fox 59. Um, what are you looking for in these joint practices um, other than just guys playing someone different for a change. That's the thing. You're going to see different different players, different skill sets, different ways that they approach their their, their trade. See this, again, the DBs have played really well out here, although it's, it's funny. We, we, we've, we're this deep into that, and we haven't mentioned T.Y. Hilton's name yet. He's having the best camp of his career. He told us he's 29 out of, 29 out of 30 on targets and catches. I want to see how he plays against Cleveland's secondary but let's see how this, again, Rocky Seed and Pierre Desir and Kenny Moore and Quincy Wilson, how they go up against uh, Beckham and Landry and, and the rest of in Mayfield. So th- this is a great chance to see how your top players, because it's going to be ones-on-ones. That's how these practices are. How do they line up? Do they, how do they hold their own? And, and again, Beckham is going to make plays because that's what he does. But how many plays do you make? Yeah, that's um, that's kind of a key point is that they keep talking about with Rocky Sin. Ty said every time I get a play on him, he comes back and gets one on me. So that's a good point. How how does the secondary bounce back? Because these wide receivers are going to make plays. And that's the thing. It's if you if you talk to the the position coaches, they say one of the biggest attributes of a cornerback is a short memory. Yeah. Because you're going to get beat because you're going against great players. Every week in college, maybe you face two or three outstanding receivers. NFL, everybody's got great players. And the biggest problem is don't let one bad play turn into two bad plays or three bad plays. And, and, and that's how we see how these young guys respond. And, again, we've talked about guys kind of having strong camps. Quincy Wilson's playing really well, playing a lot of different roles, playing in the slot some, playing outside playing some almost linebacker with what they do with, with Clayton Gathers. It's really interesting the way that Matt Eberflus, the coordinator, is, is working his personnel. Uh, you're so used sometimes that this guy is this. He's a strong side linebacker. He's a slot receiver. He's whatever. They're moving guys around quite a bit. It's the versatility to where it gives you things you can do, but also if injuries crop up, then you're able to slide players in without missing, missing a beat. So Again, I'm interested to see how these guys hold up. And the one thing that people will be looking for is 
you know, how do you walk the line between really being competitive and not going over the line and having fights or skirmishes happen last year two or three times with the Ravens? And the Ravens are known to have that sort of edge to them. And Frank Reich, to the media, said he didn't like it, and he told his players he didn't like it. But at some level, I think Frank really liked the fact that his players stood up and, and wouldn't back down from what Baltimore brought. But at the same time, you just can't you can't be having fights out there with one player trying to show up another player. You know, you don't want to lose players in practice over stupid fights or somebody trying to make a point. So it, it's a fine line, but th- these are really invaluable. And at some point down the road, I wouldn't be surprised if these joint workouts take the place of a couple of preseason games to where you, you get rid of two preseason games and you had a couple of joint workouts. And what works so well for the Colts is you've got, you know, how many, four or five, six teams within driving distance. Well, I'm, I'm guessing Cleveland flew, but within four or five hours to where it's not a major, you're not, you know, flying across the country. So a lot of viable options, whether it's the Bears or Detroit, whatever, uh, Cleveland, St. Louis, uh, St. Louis used to be the Rams, but because there there was a couple of those years where the, the Colts went to Illinois and they scrimmaged the Rams, which is what you want. So was, the Bengals are down the road. So th- this may be the trend of the NFL of going to sc- scrimmages, joint joint practices as opposed to two extra preseason games. I like it. And to your point about fights. Uh Browns head coach Freddie Kitchen definitely cautioned his players not to fight. He said, if we start practicing penalties, there will be consequences. So hopefully we don't see any uh, knuckleheadedness out there. Well, we, and we were asking T.Y. about, you know, do you like these scrimmages or these joint practices? They're not really. He said, they'll be fun and fans will like it. And there's a lot of special players. He said, but there's always fights. Yeah. It's almost like the players have to, you know, put their manhood out there and show you they're, they're not going to back down when, all, it, it's it's going to be 90 degrees out here, 85, 90 degrees. Hard practices. Why do you want to fight? I mean, it's just it's just crazy. And and the downside is maybe you get somebody hurt. Yeah. Well, moving on to the um, the game on Saturday at 4 p.m. on uh, Fox 59. This will be the first home game at Lucas Oil for uh, the preseason. First game since December 23rd. Uh, last several of the Colts games last season were on the road. We know Luck's not going to play. How much do you expect to see some of the starters out there? You said you might see Marlon Mack. You might see more of the offensive line. I think maybe a series or two. Uh, They said coming into camp, if Luck had been healthy, he would play 15 or 20 snaps. Probably most of them in the third preseason game. I think maybe you see Eric Ebron this week. Maybe you see T.W.I. Hilton, Anthony Costanzo, Mack. But again, not a lot. I I think they're going to really approach that third preseason game as the game where they're really going to show not what they've got, but but when they get out there and really work together as as units. This game may be, again, with the starting units, maybe two or three series, and that's the most. Maybe Brissett plays three or four series, and then you're going to get Walker. We may see more of Chad Kelly earlier just so that he's not out there in the fourth quarter when it's sort of backyard ball. So you can evaluate him more. But yeah, and, and he's, he's shown that he can play improv, which you've always had that in a game, but how do you play in a structured environment to where you're actually running the offense? He might get out there earlier this week. Speaking of, you know, we talked about the wide receivers and the defensive backs having a heck of a matchup with Cleveland and, and um, the Browns. 
What are some other areas? I know I'm excited to watch the Colts' O-line against Cleveland's defensive line. They have one of the more talented D-lines in the league with guys like um, uh, Miles on the outside, Olivia Vernon on the outside, Sheldon Richardson inside. Um, I'm excited to watch the, you know, one of the best offensive lines when the Colts go against one of the best defensive lines. What are some other areas that you'll have an eye on? First, I'll start with what you're saying. The same way, I want to see how this offensive line performs against really elite talent. And and I'd like to see how do the Colts' backups, primarily left tackle, but the Raven Clark, how does he hold up against Cleveland's top players if he's in there for an extended time for for Costanzo? Because I'm still, I'll keep beating that dead horse. I'm really concerned about who the backup left tackle is. But, but again, how, how do these young receivers, the one thing that Frank Reich has talked about is we've seen flashes uh, from Deion Kane, from Reese Fountain, from Marcus Johnson. Playing receivers all about stacking practices, stacking games on top of each other. We went back and looked. Remember Marvin Harrison had 143 catches in, a, in 2002, I think it was. It's like eight or nine catches a week. It's week after week after week. Uh, we've seen that from Chester Rogers. Seen it some from Pascal. We need to see these young players carry over what's been a, really a consistent training camp into games, and that's why it's a good. It's, it's important to see a follow-up from Fountain and Kane against the Browns. Yeah, I would say, it, it, you know, watching the game, you saw Kane almost come up with a touchdown grab. Hopefully, you know, as we go forward, he starts making those plays. Um, Fountain, I believe, led the team in receiving with five fours. Five for like 60, 63 or whatever it was. Yeah, 60-something. So if he can have another one of those stat lines, that'll pay big dividends in showing that he can do it week after week. Um, what about some of the rookies? I know we probably won't see Paris Campbell as a yeah, hamstring. We, let's not gloss over that. That's something we could have talked to after the luck thing. Andrew Luck will miss the last 12 practices of training camp. So will Paris Campbell. And this is a guy, you know, we can argue that Luck can get out there with a week or two of practice and play at a relatively high level. That's not the same with a rookie. He's missing invaluable time. We saw during the offseason work that they really think this guy is going to be an integral part of their offense, how they want to do different things with him. They haven't done that at training camp because he hasn't been out there. So it's really, we're not going to see him until they get back to, to Indy to practice. How that stunts his growth as a rookie, uh, it, it's not good at all. He had, Frank wouldn't call it a setback, but it was a setback. They, they wanted to see if he's ready to practice, and it wasn't. So if it's going to be another week or so, every snap this guy misses, it sets him that much further back, and that sets the offense that much further back. Do you think that can have an effect on how many receivers they bring into the season? If Campbell's still not ready, do you think maybe they go with six receivers where otherwise they might have done five? I've talked myself into them keeping six receivers anyway. I just I, I was talking with someone, and they, they told me that barring injuries screwing things up, that six receivers, four tight ends, four running backs, that's a lot of skill players. That's a lot of skill players. It's a lot players. of skill players. I thought maybe six and three. But I, I've kind of, I'm on, on the side now. They're going to keep six receivers. But again, does that mean Paris Campbell will be one? Of your, he'll be one of your six. But, but is he ready to play? And we don't know that. The worst thing you can have, and they, teams have it all the time, 
is carrying two or three or four players who they're not long-term injuries, but they're not ready for a game or two. That may be, it could be Luck, it could be Sherrod, it could be Campbell. He'll be one of the six. But again, I, I just I don't think his situation makes it five or six. But again, if he's one of the six and he will be, he needs to be ready to play the first of September. And I don't know if he will be or not. Um, we we mentioned Brissett and moving the ball. T.Y. Hilton will probably play at least a little bit this game, do you think? And then maybe we get Ebron, maybe we get him those weapons so he has a chance to look a little better out there. Yeah, and that's part of that, too, is him playing. He, he There were seven offensive starters not playing in Buffalo. You know, two of them were Costanzo and Kelly and Mack and, and, and Hilton and Ebron and Doyle. So, so yeah, that's, that's part of the problem. But at the same time, you can still be efficient. Uh, and they weren't. And we're putting a lot of it on Brissett. But there's a chance Ebron plays. There's a chance T.Y. plays. There's a chance Doyle plays and Mac. But but even if they don't, you should have enough in your backups to where you're at least competent, I guess is the word, to where you're not not only three and out, but, but there, there were a couple of sacks. The first, first play of the game was a minus seven-yard non-run by Mac. So it wasn't encouraging. I, I, just string some series together, three or four first downs, and act like you you're actually played the position before, and that's what we want to see on Saturday. Kind of thinking a little long term here. If Brissett does have to play a couple weeks and Luck is out, it could go one of two ways. Either Brissett plays great and his trade value goes through the roof. If that happens, do you think there's a chance the Colts maybe trade him before the deadline or hold on to this guy because we know Luck, I would not injury prone, but injuries are not something he's adverse to. He would have to play at such a high level to, to draw interest. You know, we thought that Mike, he might get some interest last offseason or this offseason and, and not much. I think those of us in the Indian media were guilty of overvaluing Brissett. And beyond, beyond that, though, I, with Luck's situation, I can't imagine them even considering parting with Jacoby Brissett unless, yeah. unless he goes out there and is just, well, if, if he's terrible, you're going to keep him. But, but if he's really that good, you've just got to keep him for insurance because you, there's no guarantee on Luck's injury. There's not. And you can't say, well, if we get rid of Brissett, we've got Philip Walker or Chad Kelly. You simply can't do that. So uh, they, they just this comes down to Brissett elevating his game. And one number to keep in mind, I wrote it down here, 53 and 33. That's a Colts record with Andrew Luck. 10 and 16 are what they are without him. And the offense is probably 10 points better with him. So they need him back. No matter how well Brissett plays, he can take the team only so far. Luck is the one that will take this team where it wants to go. I sort of think Brissett is sort of – until he shows differently, a game manager, and they need this their quarterback to be much more than that. So as we as we move on here, one of the uh, w- one of the questions that's always interesting to ask is, um, w- what player do you think will make the first Pro Bowl uh, of their career this year? We got a few candidates, um, guys like Costanzo, Ryan Kelly, Malik Hooker, um, obviously. Darius Leonard. He's my, he's my no doubt choice because it's funny. You always make the Pro Bowl on on reputation, and now that he was, uh, you know, 
first team All Pro, defensive rookie player of the year. Yeah, that that was really a shame that he didn't get it. But I like that list. I, Leonard will make it. I would really like to see Costanzo start getting some national attention. He, he's locally, he's been an easy, or not an easy, but he's been a a favorite of fans to sort of trash on. I ne- never really understood that. And over the last couple of years, he's been all semi-elite. I think he's a top 10 left tackle. And I'll get on my soapbox. I still don't know why they haven't re-signed you to an extension because there's no heir apparent. There's no one they're grooming to be their left tackle. My, my picks are number one. It's it's Darius Leonard, obviously. And then I'm a Costanzo. I want to see that guy make a Pro Bowl. I think Costanzo definitely has a serious chance. You look at the tackles that made it in the AFC last year. Mitchell Schwartz, Taylor Lewan, who suspended the first four games, Eric Fisher, Andrew Villanueva, um, a couple other guys who might contend for it, Laramie Tunsil with the Dolphins, Ronnie Stanley with the Ravens. That looks like a group that Costanzo should be able to crack as long as he gets the national recognition that he deserves. Yeah, it's funny. I, I say a lot of times guys make the Pro Bowl on reputation, even making it a couple years after they don't deserve it. And Costanzo's like on the other end where he's not making it because people just don't think he's that quality of player, and he is. Maybe the fact that he's played on, a, on an offensive line that's has been really not very good the last uh, until last year. So you're sort of lumped into, into the group with that. But, again, I just think that uh, I'm not his agent. I don't get a cut of his of his salary. But I just think that it's about time this guy got his just uh, – you know, his – recognition and maybe this is year he does yeah i think you're right i think people just saw you know all those years the colts gave up the most sacks in the league and said how can we elect their left left tackle to the pro bowl um another guy who i know if dave was here he'd be screaming for is safety malik hooker um who has a great chance to make it he says he feels the best he has in a long long time um, I will say, though, that safety group in the AFC is pretty challenging. Earl Thomas comes over from the Seahawks, Jamal Adams with the Jets, Kevin Byard, Tyram Matthew, um, Derwin James. There's a lot of talent there at safety. So Malik Hooker's going to have to put up a ridiculous stat line to get elected. And, and he's in a position that it, it is a stat. It's a stat line. It's, when these players vote for this, they look, they look at the, the, the hard numbers, sacks, passes defense they, they don't look at tackles that much but but I think they're going to put Hooker in position this year to make plays he's shown that remember he had to three interceptions and was it seven starts as a rookie before the ACL and last year he was sort of fighting injuries all year this this could be a really strong year for him if he stays healthy he's he's had no issues knock on wood in camp uh, they're putting him out there with Clayton Gathers and you're working uh, Kari, or Kari Willis in from time to time. It, it, it should be a strong D. De- and again, a lot of the reputation on Pro Bowl is how was your defense? And this was a top 10 defense last year. It should be again. And that's how these players get their, their individual recognition by be, be, being part of a solid defense. Yeah, you had mentioned earlier that, you know, the front seven of the defense is really shining in camp with guys like Autry making plays. Houston, we, you know, he's kind of been held back. We haven't even seen his full extent yet. And then you mentioned the linebackers playing well. With It, it, it makes your life a lot easier at safety when the guys in front of you are playing well for you. There were some years, uh, been back in the late 90s or the early 2000s, and the Jets had uh, 
a state. I think his name was Eric McMillan. In like two years in Norway, he had like 200 tackles. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, for a safety to have that many tackles, what's everybody else doing? So you want you you want your safety to be there to you know the last line of defense, but they they, they see Hooker as a playmaker, as a difference maker. We've seen flashes of that, and for this defense to be what they want it to be, get pressure up front, get some pressure on the outside with more man-to-man coverage, and let your safeties make plays. Well, Mike, I think it's a good time to wrap things up since I can barely hear you. The band is blaring here out at Colt City in Westfield. Um, Practice starts in just about half an hour, so we'll let you go. We'll let you get out there. Um, Before I push the end of the show, do you have any last words um, regarding Andrew Luck's injuries? Any last takeaways? No, again, it's it's something that people are going to get tired of hearing about, but this is kind of we're going to be held hostage by not knowing because again once we get back to indianapolis for practice the media sees the first 20 minutes of practice and we don't see teamwork so we're going to have to rely on the team to give us updates and the problem with that is you're asking for the team to tell you what they don't want you to see so you don't there is some paranoia there but uh, we were talking in the press room that if, if i had to bet on the opening day starter, I, my my money is on Brissett only because they've given me nothing, the Colts, nothing confidence-wise to say that Luck will be ready. Yeah, no timetable. And, yeah, no and, and, they, and they've not pushed him, you know, too, too hard. I mean, they're pushing him, but not to that point. So my gut tells me that, that Brissett starts the opener, but I'm not ruling out Luck. But I, I feel safer saying that Brissett's a starter. All right. Well, thanks for listening to Colts Blue Zone podcast. Thanks to everyone who came out and said hi to us. Uh, Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so it automatically goes straight to your favorite listening device. Uh, Rate us and leave a review on iTunes. We would appreciate that. You can follow Mike Chappell at mchappell51. You can follow Dave Griffiths at DaveG underscore sports. You can follow me, Joe Hopkins, at Roto Street Joe. And follow the podcast at Colts Blue Zone.